When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Hello and welcome to the Betches Up Podcast. I'm Sammy Fishbein. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Up Podcast is your daily rundown of all the crazy shit happening in the news, explained to you by today your one funniest friends. Today I am joined by election security advocate and writer and attorney Jenny Cohn, who is going to talk to us about election security. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, thank you for having me on your show. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, I am an avid follower of yours on Twitter, and you have been kind of beating the drum of election security for years now. So I guess let's just get down to it. What are the biggest threats to the election this year? Well, there are many threats, so it's really hard to quantify what is the biggest. But um, among the threats that I'm worried about in terms of election security, specifically involving the electronics, have to do with Um, wireless modems and precinct scanners in the battleground states. So these wireless modems connect both the precinct ballot scanner that counts paper ballots and the county central tabulator that compiles precinct totals. It connects both of them to the internet on election night. And um, it's kind of was a a bit of a sleeper issue. I mean, I had start, did start sounding the alarm back in 2018, but this, the several battleground states that have these that we know of in some counties, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Florida, do have hand-marked paper ballots. So it, in that sense, it seems like they're, they're well set up. But unfortunately, they have really terrible recount and audit laws. So the whole point of having a paper ballot is to be able to have a software-independent record of voter intent that you can add up and see if it matches the election electronic total. That's the way to know if the electronic total has been rigged. And if you don't actually get to do that, if you don't get to actually hand count in an audit or recount those, that paper, it doesn't really do you any good. And that's kind of the situation that we have in those three battleground states, which was sort of exemplified a little, little bit in 2016 when there was an attempted recount. So um, putting these wireless modems in them is not a harmless thing. It's not like we're going to catch it through a recount or a manual audit because we probably won't. If, if something nefarious were to happen. So that's number one. On uh, Number two is um, remote access software in those same county central tabulators. America's largest vendor admitted to Senator Ron Wyden in, I think, 2018, that despite its prior denials, it had installed PC Anywhere, very hackable remote access software in these county central tabulators that compile precinct totals. 
it was written up by a journalist named Kim Zetter, and it was really a bombshell because you can, if you can remote into those county central tabulators, you can just change all of the totals. And they had said that they didn't have this, but they did. And now they claim that it's been removed, but or that they confirmed it's been removed, very careful wording. But they haven't said whether, when they removed it, if it was before or after 2016, they haven't said how they confirmed it, and they haven't said whether it extends to all of their systems. So ESNS acquired the contracts from another vendor called Diebold Election Systems that was dissolved in 2010 and was a very large vendor at the time, and many of its systems are still in place. So I don't know if those still have remote access or if Dominion Voting's another vendor, if their county tabulators have it. And then the other things I'm worried about are electronic poll books, which are sign-in computers that are used to confirm voter registrations and whether you have already voted. And they're also increasingly using these to activate touchscreen voting machines. And they're very concerning for a number of reasons, one of which is that they often are connected to the internet and, or Bluetooth, connect through Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. To, to update whether you've are, you know, when people vote, they need to be able to update these systems around the county. And that makes them very, um, very susceptible to even, you know, foreign nations getting into them if they're connecting to Wi-Fi. And, and Georgia and LA County have really debuted those systems on a very broad scale in recent elections to catastrophic effect. And these systems are all over, they've really, really, increased in popularity over the past several years. And so what really is killing me is that at a time when we know that nation states are targeting our elections and would be using the internet to try to do that, we have actually dialed up the internet connectivity of our precinct equipment rather than dialing it down. And it's, it's very concerning. Um, so those are some among the threats I'm worried about. On, in terms of vote by mail, I'm very, this, I mean, it, I guess you could say broadly, it certainly is an election integrity concern. Um, I'm very concerned that the signature requirement will be weaponized by the Trump administration and the Trump campaign to delay, uh, delay the counting and run out the clock. There are these post-election deadlines that have to be met. I, I don't have off the top of my head exactly what they are, but they're two separate ones. One is January and one is in December. I think the states are supposed to certify in December early December, and then you have the Electoral College is supposed to be um, called in early January. And if they can run out the clock and not meet those deadlines by picking at all of the little, there are a lot of instructions and technicalities you have to meet with vote by mail, then they can run out the clock and try to get Trump, either just discount a ton of mail ballots that perhaps would lean um, toward Biden-Harris or have it thrown into complete chaos to the Supreme Court to, and then maybe back to the House of Representatives. And I don't exactly know how those will work, but increasingly scholars are sounding the alarm about that running out of the clock scenario, which is interesting because that is in 2000 what happened. The GOP ran out the clock with um, hanging chads. They used that to run out the clock. And so the idea is the signature match will be the new hanging chad. Right. I wasn't even a voter, but I know the term hanging Chad like all too well. Right. Yeah, um, so it was the punch cards. It was defective punch cards in Florida. The 2000 election came down to 537 votes. Uh, well, ultimately, there, there was a, re a recount request in Florida. It all came down to the swing state of Florida between Al Gore and 
who was at the very much at the forefront of climate change. And it would have been a very different world had he been sworn in instead of George W. Bush. But it came down to the swing state of Florida where there was a very partisan Republican Secretary of State, who I believe was even a co-chair of the, of the George Bush campaign in Florida. And she did a number of things to really rig that election. Uh, she, she purged 12,000 voters erroneously, and she even admitted it was erroneous. Keeping in mind, this was an election decided by 537 votes. So she purged people on the basis that they had, that they were felons not allowed to vote. And they, that was not the case. It wasn't true. And then on, um, and then their recount their Al Gore had filed for a recount and the all, uh, Roger Stone. So all these characters have been around. Yeah. Organized something called the Brooks brothers riot, which was like a fake. They made it look like it was the spontaneous um, outcry by businessmen who were outraged that, that Gore would want a recount and that there was some sort of democratic power grab going on was the message they were trying to convey when in fact they were the ones who were engaged in a power grab and they succeeded in delaying the recount long enough that the Supreme Court said it couldn't be finished on time. And then I believe Al Gore actually sort of, he could have tried to finish it on time after that, but he conceded instead. Um, So that's what happened in 2000. And what's interesting to me is I can't tell you how many times people have told me, don't look back at past elections. We need to just look forward that it's dangerous to look back at past elections, which is such a dangerous and bizarre thing for intellectuals even to say that we should do because we can't learn from the patterns of history. We can't learn from our own past mistakes and where we've been tricked before without looking at how things have gone wrong for us in these past elections. And I do want to say on that same vein that the 2000 presidential election was not just about hanging chats. That isn't the only thing that went wrong. There were, was very much an electronic component to it in the sense that in at least two counties, it was discovered sort of by chance that electronic votes were disappearing from Al Gore's total. And so there were um, 16,000 in Volusia County and another 3,000 in Brevard County in Florida. These were both Florida counties. And that kind of, it's almost like the Chad's distracted from that and no one really paid attention to that. And the recount, you know, we don't know if there were other, if there were other counties where this occurred because Gore didn't even seek a recount for all of Florida. It was just for a handful of counties. And, and that was when the Supreme Court intervened and stopped it. So it really, and, and, He'd gotten the, the margin down to 537 votes, so it was trending to looking like it was really that Al Gore had won, and that's when they stopped it. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. 
A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. So because I I do happen to agree that we should look back at patterns um, to see, Mm -hmm. you know, where we can secure our future elections. So what, in your view, went wrong in 2016? And what are, do you think that that was ever like properly investigated or looked into? So much, I think, went wrong in 2016. I think that there was an assumption and a wrong assumption made by the Obama administration and I just want to put out there that I hate to cast shade in any sense on Obama because I think he was in general, I mean, I think he was a very good person. I think he was very well intended. I think in many ways he was a good president, but I don't think he appreciated the threat posed by a nation state targeting Russia, targeting our election. And um, I don't, and I think that they felt they were tricked in the sense that, Trump put forward this narrative, this was narrative warfare, the Democrats were going to rig the election, much as what occurred in 2000, right? And in reality, all along, Russia was the one was trying to rig the election for Trump. And we don't know to what extent its influence made the, you know, it was a decisive factor. We don't really know that because, well, let me say, so he tricked the Democrats in the sense that they somehow assumed, despite knowing that according to the book Rigged by David Scheimer, the Obama administration knew that Russia was in a position even to change vote tallies. As of August 2016, they were aware of this in some places. I don't know how many, the book didn't say. And they still assumed that somehow there wouldn't be sufficient rigging to prevent Hillary from overcoming it. And so they really boxed themselves into a corner saying, you know, I will, Hillary would say, you know, I will accept the result. Will Donald Trump accept the result? And they unfortunately made it so that they would have looked really like hypocrites had they been the ones to seek a recount because they criticized um, Trump for undermining faith in the election and how terrible that was. Of course, it was going to have integrity when, in fact, it was under direct assault all along. And I think that was a tactical mistake, a gamble. And I, I think that Hillary probably realizes that because she, who you know, I was a Hillary supporter and I still am, but 
people make mistakes. And I think that was, she also made that mistake. And she, in fact, she's come out since or recently and said that Biden should not concede if it's close. And that should not even be a controversial statement, but the Democrats always want to put out this pious line that you can't express any concern about our elections or you're undermining trust in the election when in fact they should be putting the trust, the actual trustworthiness of the election as a higher priority. And they really haven't done that enough. And so I just hope they don't back themselves into the same corner. I see hints like that Nancy Pelosi kind of was going there. I haven't really seen the Biden campaign too much back themselves into that corner, but I've seen some of this sort of, uh, I don't want to use the phrase media elite because that makes it seems like I don't like the media, but there are certain, people in the media who are rolled out, you know, every election and have kind of this, this way of presenting things. And I'm seeing some similar patterns to the, to the traps they were falling into in 2016, where we're pretending that Trump can't manipulate the election. And, um, and he, I think he probably can through his, not him personally, but through his allies, either domestic or, or nation state Russia. Right. I mean, there's just so many opportunities to um, for them to do it, like whether it's through the propaganda or whether it's through the actual vote uh, machines and then or they could or it could be the tallies that are off or it could be something between the transmission, between the tally, between the machines and the county. There Um, are many. There's so many points. Potential points of failure, yes. Right. And then and then even once you have the tallies, then you have the contesting of the mail-in voting, you have the contesting of the tallies, and then the running out the clock back. The media so, is very much, and the campaign is very much willing to say that Trump will steal it through an election challenge. But they're making an assumption, I think, that, that the electronic total will somehow... Which, and I want to say vote by mail is still an electronic total. They send it to a county central tabulator. Um, that that will favor Biden. And I think that's a dangerous assumption. It may be the Democrats who have to file the challenge, just as what happened in 2016. The other thing I want to mention, and I can't believe I forgot this, is of course the voter registration systems are vulnerable as they were in 2016. I don't want to ever pretend that 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 was not a real issue and that it's not a serious issue. It's just that that one was at least somewhat acknowledged and the vote tally aspect of it was not publicly acknowledged, which I also think was a mistake. But um, we're just finding out the lack of transparency with our election system is so incredibly dangerous. And it was a terrible precedent set by the Obama administration to not declassify what was going on. And the reason, part of the reason it's so dangerous is because I believe he did it to maintain trust in the election, which in the abstract is a lofty goal. But it wasn't a trustworthy election. And now we have a tyrant in power and we can't really... I think it's an impeachable offense that Trump is really engaged in a cover-up of Russian interference. He is, they stopped the congressional briefings. I think it's a cover-up and very much impeachable. But the Democrats are not really in a position to sound that alarm or phrase it in those terms because Obama did the same thing and he had different motivations. They were, I'm sure, benevolent and he had McConnell refusing to sign a bipartisan letter and he had Comey not wanting to talk about the vote tallies. But he, nonetheless, he didn't. He did the same thing. He didn't. He didn't come out publicly, and um, we're only finding now. It's still coming out in dribs and drabs. So Bob Woodward's book. Many people are really shocked to learn. We already knew that there were two Florida counties that were penetrated, and 
The FBI told Florida lawmakers, we knew this too, that they could not assess whether or not voter data was changed, which the, a lot of the big media has translated into, I mean, even accounts that I admire. They'll say vote, uh, voter data wasn't changed. The truth is they couldn't say. They could not assess with certainty whether it was or wasn't. That is the truth. And so I keep, there's a rewriting that's happening. But now Bob Woodward's book took it a step further and he didn't say it was changed, but he said that they actually did install malware that could have deleted voters, you know, every 10th voter or something. And so the idea would be you would put it in targeted areas. So like predominantly African-American county or, or um, parts of the county that are predominantly African-American, you could put it there and have them delete every 10th voter and try to change the outcome that way. And apparently I, ha I don't have Bob Woodward's book, so this is hearsay, but apparently he says somehow the, the malware wasn't deployed. I don't know. And another key thing is he's, it's, they said at least two counties. I'm sure it was more counties. Well, I'm not sure. I I'm speculating. I strongly suspect it was more counties in part because of the use of the phrase at least and in part because of really reporting that came out in 2016 about massive problems with voter registrations at some of these Florida um, polling places. I mean, really sort of scary stuff where people were being turned away in droves and the media really ignored it. Um, there was a, an attorney, an election protection attorney, I'm trying to find it and of course I can't, but there was an election protection attorney for Florida in, I want to say it was in Lee, Lee County. Um, well, there are two, there was something like 100 and, 400 and something erroneous um, pre, uh, erroneous information in Lee County that was discovered by um, an activist named Sean Hunter and sort of a data, data specialist named Sean Hunter. He did a FOIA and found something like 470,000 erroneous precinct assignments. Like there was an email within the county where they're saying, wow, all these precinct assignments are screwed up. What the hell? And then there was the affidavit from the election protection attorney who was talking about great droves of voters being turned away because supposedly they weren't registered. So I find it very, I'm very skeptical, the notion that the malware was not deployed. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and a of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. 
By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Well, I think what's interesting is that it's not like they need to mess up the vote everywhere. Like I live in Manhattan. I don't think, I think I'll probably have a, it'll be a breeze to vote most likely. Um, Like I'll go vote early. I don't anticipate any problems, but that's because they don't need to do it here. Um, it's obvious where you know the the New York State electoral votes are going, so it's it's not really relevant here. But in fact, it would be a waste of resources for them to do that. But they know exactly where they do need to kind of like. That's exactly right. Things. That's exactly right. And that was another. We were fed a lot of myths. Unfortunately, it really was this bizarre confluence of the left and the right doing a cover-up. A lot of the cover-up came from the left, but not because I don't, I think they very much opposed Trump and didn't want Trump in office, but they had this idea. You just cannot question the sanctity of an election. And so they would say things like our system is too decentralized to allow an outcome altering attack. And Jay Johnson in the rigged um, says that, that, you know, basically he, the way he phrased it was that was not really true. In other words, it was false. Of course, he, that's not true. You just need to do it in targeted areas in the battleground states and a number and a few precincts. And we're not just talking, by the way, about the presidency in this election. The state races are so crucial because the state lawmakers will vote on the new maps for redistricting. And those maps very much control, you know, who wins and who will control the House of Representatives. For the next decade. So I, I worry that with all the focus on Trump, we can't lose sight on, on these state races. And what's especially scary about them is that even if we get some scrutiny on if, say, Trump is somehow wins or we'll get some degree of scrutiny on, on Trump, understandably by myself included, that we just won't have the capacity and the attention span to focus on some of these state races that could be stolen. And I live in California. I have sort of the same mindset as you, but I did hear some, they, there would be, uh, I'm sure they're, they would be happy to make some inroads even in the solidly blue state. So maybe not the whole thing, but in pockets, they would like to have some surprising silent supporters for Trump suddenly emerging. Um, That's a very interesting, yeah, that is a very interesting point. It is strategic. And again, they don't need to do it that many, you know, you do it two places and that's tells a story and then the media will run with it and then cycle it around for, I don't know, the next five years. But yeah, just to, just to, I guess, you know, counter some of the bleakness, what do you, just to close out the episode, what do you think is the best way to vote? And is there anything that we can do about these, these issues? So in general, I don't, I have avoided all along recommending in-person versus vote by mail post-pandemic. Um, I have sort of avoided that because I think with the pandemic, it's a bit of a personal decision. I think we need to diversify those. Sort of that's the phrase I'm going to use because we need to win in the um, 
non-male voting as well. That would really help shut things down because this is really is narrative warfare. And Trump will want to take a victory on election day plus early voting if, if he gets a victory there. He will want to take that and use that to shut down the male voting. And so we need to, we can't ignore the importance of turnout on election day and during early voting. If you vote in person, vote ask to vote with a hand-marked paper ballot. Um, you can always ask. Many places that ha- use touch screens to mark your ballots will let you vote with a pen instead if you ask. If you, either way, you should bring your completed sample ballot with you to the polls if you vote in person. And if you vote with it, it'll help you go faster, you know, fill out your ballot faster no matter what. But it also, if you vote with a touch screen, most of them now have a paper printout that is actually somewhat meaningless in the sense that most voters don't ever look at it, which means it could say, at least as to down ballot races, it could say anything or drop some of those state races I talked about and most voters won't notice. There's a study that showed 93% of voters miss it. If you bring your sample ballot, you can compare it against the printout, and that significantly increases the detection rate of, you know, of misinformation on or inaccuracies on that printout, which is used as a paper ballot. So, um, and then if you vote by mail, you know, speed is the is the name of the game, and avoiding the mail as much as you can. So, request it immediately and return it immediately, preferably if you can, to a Dropbox or an election office but you have to call or check with your county election office to see if that's an option because it isn't an option everywhere. And I do think we need to diversify. I think it would be a mistake to tell, but I mean, it depends. Some places like Georgia, I think probably everyone should, well, I think their election day system is so bad that they should probably vote by mail there, but I don't know that that's the case everywhere. I think sort of diversifying and protectourvotes.com is a, um, I'm in a group called Protect Our Votes, and we have a website, and we are having volunteers photograph precinct results to compare them to reported totals, and that's something else that can be done, too. If there's a discrepancy, that might be enough to get an election challenge if we need one. Um, so there, there are various things we can do. You check your registration. Save a screenshot. We need proof. If, if registrations get, if people get deregistered, we need proof that they were registered in the first place to open an inquiry, so save screenshots. Wow. Tips article at the top of my timeline. I'll put it there. Um, It has 22 tips in it for protecting our votes in there. Some of the things are not obvious. Um, So there's an election protection hotline. One eight, six, six, our vote is a number. Everyone should know if you have problems, you can um, get help from them. This has been so incredibly practical and helpful because I know how many people, especially, you know, the New Yorkers and Californians feel, can feel really helpless. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. Um, I've been following you a long time. What is, where can people follow you? Yes. I, so I, I keep a very active Twitter timeline. So at Jenny Cone one, J-E-N-N-Y-C-O-H-N-1. And that would be the best place to follow me. I have published articles, but I post that in my, um, I have a link that's posted in my uh, profile where I see you can click the link and get a lot of my uh, published pieces and interviews. It has not been updated for a few months. I need to do that, but it's got a lot on there. Thank you so much, Jenny. And best of luck with all of your work getting election ready. And until the return of democracy, I'm Sammy Fishbein, and this has been the Betches Up podcast. 
The Betches Sup podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.